Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. No more time for messing around here. It is the busiest time of the year for fantasy football it's draft season it's the time of year where people actually care about me and my guest today i'm guest my co-host i mean co-host andy barons here the purveyor of great wisdom as you said um a couple episodes ago this is really the the time of year where people give a damn about us the most so <laughs> i mean i still don't draft like- are here I don't get I don't get recognized exactly very often, but I get a lot of people who like look at me and kind of like, you know, double take. And they're like, did we used to work together? Did you go to such and such high school? I get a lot of that this time of year. Not not outright recognition, but it's something mild. Like you look familiar, but you have a pretty yes. distinct face. So I feel like they, they should remember that you are the one that told them, hey, you have the fifth pick in the draft. Here's how this is going to go for you. That type of thing. I mean, you are you are on the featured uh, featured material on the Yahoo Fantasy app. I have been at bars before where like dudes are having a fantasy draft and like my face will pop up on their screen and I'm like five feet away and there's just no there's just no recognition. <laughs> What a shame. Well, maybe someday we'll be celebrities, uh, Andy, but today is not that day. What we are going to do here is we're going to tell you how to avoid some common mistakes that, I mean, Andy, I know I've made some of these mistakes before. Everybody makes these mistakes when drafting teams. You know, just a heads up disclaimer here. For various reasons, we are recording this podcast episode a few days before you're hearing it. So apologies in advance if we make a comment about a player or a team without being up to date on the latest news involving them. Just keep that in mind as we talk going forward. Okay, so on to the show. So... Andy, before we jump into our, we each, each have five things here, five mistakes. I wanted to kind of start this off with a general question because this is something I've been thinking about. I typically draft off of um, positional tiers, right? And Because one of my mistakes was going to be like not using tiers, I, but I didn't end up making that an official one, but I'm kind of squeezing it in here as like a bonus one. <laughs> um I think drafting without tiers is a mistake because it can help you really just decide when runs are ending or beginning on players um i I know our our mutual friend john daigle i saw him tweet this the other day uh and again this is dated but 
he said during like the Texans preseason game uh, when Damian Pierce was going off, he's like, there's going to be a bunch of people that draft like, you know, the Dave, you know, all the all the dead zone favorites, all the dead zone Hall of Famers this year ahead of Damian Pierce this weekend in your drafts. Don't be one of those people. And I think if you just like look at the tier of dead zone backs and just be like, I'm not taking any of those guys, but I'm going to wait here to the post dead zone tier. It can make a lot of sense. Do you prefer? But at the same time, I've also thought recently because of that. I've never drafted off an overall list. I actually don't like making overall rankings, but do you think that is a mistake? What is the best set of rankings to use and what are you are, how which ones are a mistake to draft off of? Man, we're we're definitely in in lockstep here because I always I always find it painful when we have to actually go through the process of creating overall ranks uh, you know, for the site because I would just I, I mean, that's the only time I look at them. I'm I'm not looking at overall ranks like when I'm actually in a draft because I have immediate positional needs that I have to address, right? Like I'm building a team that isn't that isn't theoretical, and it's not a team. I don't. I'm not in any leagues where um, every position is a super flex, right? And I could and I could start I could start anybody. Like I, it it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me how I value Josh Allen relative to um, the the you know the second tier of running backs or the third tier of running backs to the second tier of receivers or something like that i you know I'll, I'll hit spots where where i have uh positions to fill and i'll go ahead and fill them so i'm i'm only working off of positional ranks and tiers when i'm in a draft um the notion that you're getting at is is completely right as well because sometimes you're you know sometimes you're faced with a choice in a draft with a clock ticking down where like there's one receiver that you really regard, maybe two receivers that you really regard as like a, a potential, you know, wide receiver one, somebody who can finish in the top five at the position. And then there'll be a whole group of running backs or there'll be a whole group of tight ends that you think are basically the same. And you know, you're going to get one of those guys uh, around later. Um, yeah, that I mean, that is the essence of why it's really important to use tiers. You got to know when, you know, the value is really running dry at a particular position. I guess to play devil, devil's advocate and just something I've been thinking about recently with, you know, the the benefit of overall rankings as opposed to just positional tiers is I do get the question a lot. It's just several examples of this. It's like, when do you start value? Like, where does your tier five of receivers rank relative to your tier three of running back stuff like that? Or even more practical example, you said, Josh Allen, it's like, well, when do you start considering quarterback tier one? when you get to the running backs, like what tier do those guys intersect or Kyle Pitts? Like I've had folks ask, I mean the Kyle Pitts thing, but like not, not in terms of route <laughs> charting, but just like, where do you value Kyle Pitts relative to your tier of receivers? Like which tier would he fall? And I'm and when people ask this part of me, it's like, you know, what would make this really easy <laughs> an overall ranking list. <laughs> well, there are also cases where, you know, I, I might have cut like a, for me, there's a tier of two at the top at tight end, right? It's Andrews and it's Kelsey. Same. And you can include Pitts in there, but that's, you know, you're 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 building in a, a pretty dramatic improvement year over year. That's not the kind of thing that I would normally do when I'm picking a player in like the second or third round is just assuming that they're going to be a lot better than they were the year before. I, I don't like I don't really fish in that second tier, third tier at tight end at all. I'm just I, for whatever reason, I, I recognize that they are very good players. I can imagine that there is a price at which I would I would jump on Kyle Pitts. But uh, for practical purposes, there's always somebody in a draft who assumes that he's going to be 1200 yards and seven touchdowns this year. And so they're drafting him as they should. And round two, round three, right? Not round two, but yeah, round three, round four, something like that. I just don't have him there. Um, so there's there's whole there's whole tiers at certain positions that I just never get. I'm perfectly happy if I don't get one of those first two tight ends to to wait 
a pretty long time. That's not for everyone, um, but that that factors into it as well. And the the Josh Allen, you know, uh, uh, riddle is really. I, I happen to think there's like there's like eight quarterbacks who could finish as the QB one. I would not. I love Josh Allen. I don't consider him a tier of his own quarterback. Um, which is not to say that I, you know, I might, I might even include Trey Lance in that, in that group of guys who I could, I could squint and see a possibility of finishing as the overall QB one. That doesn't mean that I put Trey Lance in Josh Allen's tier, but it's not like Allen isn't alone for me. Allen, Allen had a great season last year, but it wasn't a, you know, you won your league if you had Josh Allen kind of season. I don't, I don't think he's separated from that group of that is pretty deep. Right. And we can take it all the way down to Jalen hurts. I mean, I think they're all fundamentally the same and I don't, I don't I don't care which one I get. So it definitely sounds like you and I think it is a mistake to, to not draft with tears. Uh, but let's move into our official uh, list here. You've got five. I've got five. I'm going to let you go first with your um, initial big mistake that people make. Yeah. My first one is pretty basic. It's very one-on-one, but it is something that I think a lot of, uh, I don't want to use the term casual players, but you know, people who aren't like uh, ear to the ground on football, uh, 365 days a year, right? Like, yeah, let's say, let's say new, especially new players and new, new players too. This is a big thing. Yeah. This is a huge one for new players. The idea that you can just plot out your entire season and you, you care a lot about bye weeks when you're building your team. is crazy to me. Um, looking at bye weeks at all. I wish we didn't even show them in the, in the yeah. draft app, uh, honestly, because the idea that you can plan for your quarterbacks bye week in November is just nuts. Um, you can't like you absolutely can't. This is a, <sighs> you're just doing damage to your team when you like, I guarantee that three years ago um, when Lamar Jackson had that crazy breakout season, one of the greatest seasons uh, in the history of his position, I, I guarantee there's people who didn't draft Lamar Jackson because, Oh, his bye week didn't line up with my starting quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger, or whoever. Right. And that was just a big flaming mistake. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's just a big flaming mistake. Like your draft is this one opportunity that you have to just collect as much talent as possible. There's never another chance like this and you, you know you you should be reaching selectively you but like of of all things you should not be thinking about oh man when it comes to to you know the week 10 uh my quarterback's going to be on a buy i can't have this guy my tight end's going to be on a buy i can't have this guy no you should just draft as much talent as you can and realize that like you know we're going to be a couple weeks into the season and two of your guys haven't even played you're going to drop them Two other guys are going to be injured. You're going to drop them. You might have another guy who's suspended for six games. You might have another guy who's like a part timer. And eh, do I hold up? Like you're going to you're going to flip so much of your roster. The idea that you can just make these plans uh, well ahead of time is is just silly. It never works out that way. Yeah, I think expecting chaos is always a good thing. Um, and I actually like the way you you frame the draft as this is your one big chance to collect talent because I think you know sort of this is a mistake i think people make but you know they view it as like filling out a roster right like like all right i gotta get my starting positions at each it's like no you, you want to collect the best talent on your team because things are going to go crazy at some point i mean that's kind of the, the whole theory behind zero rb is like you know running backs are super fragile uh like wide receivers are anti-fragile you know and regardless of what you think i mean we know what derrick henry thinks about zero rb but like <laughs> um regardless of what you think about like the strategy of zero rb that is kind of the principle of it and that that is true that chaos will hit at some point and 
like you're not going to have your number two receiver is not going to necessarily need your fourth guy doesn't need to not have the same bye week like who cares but people yes. get really people get really hung up on that still so i think it's a good call out yeah people uh, people focus on like i'm in leagues with people you know these are more like college buddy leagues um old workplace leagues where I know these people have been playing for 20 years and they still talk about bye weeks in the draft room. And I don't like to, I don't like to correct it because, Hey, they're, you know, they're, they're paying to get in this yeah, league. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's to my benefit. <laughs> if you really care that much about, about bye weeks and you really care that much about backing up your tight end. Um, but it's, it's <laughs> wild to me that, that people do this. You could also argue too, that, um, like last year there was that like bipocalypse or whatever. I know we probably said it like a hundred times on <laughs> FFL at some point last year, but you know, like the Vikings and the Chargers, and, like the Steelers, like all these teams with a ton of fantasy players were on the bye week that same that same week. It's like you can honestly argue that, hey, that's one week of the season. Like maybe you just get the kicked out of you that one week and then actually right? have your full roster the entire year. There there's there's some wisdom in that. Um you mentioned reaching. That's actually my first mistake. I think that people get too caught up in reaching a full or God forbid, like multiple rounds on a player just because he is your guy. Right. And I'm talking like by ADP, not default ranks. I'm not going to call out another platform here, but uh, I, I was helping somebody with their draft a couple of a couple of um, well, a couple of days ago. But, you know, almost like a week ago by the time we released this. Uh, and, you know, I was saying, like, you just don't take any of these goofball running backs. Like you need to go ahead and take Damian Pierce. Like this is, this is the Damian Pierce zone, like swing big, um, you know, put your stones on the line here and go, go get Damian Pierce at this point. And they're like, he's 130th overall. in like the pre pre draft default range, but I don't care. No, 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 no. Don't care about that. But like by ADP, I don't think you want to take, especially early in the draft. Um, and some people do this. I know Lord podcast was talking about this before the, uh, before we started taping, like to stack guys or whatever, I actually think like trying to stack too much outside of like the very best offenses in the NFL. Like sometimes it is, you know, if you like the year Peyton Manning was with the Broncos and threw all those touchdowns, like sometimes the person who won the league was who drafted the most Broncos, but that's kind of a rare situation. So any sort of situation where in a non large field tournament, you end up reaching too much. I think you can get yourself in trouble because we have to bake in the possibility that not just chaos hits, but that we're also wrong, you know? And um, <laughs> if I really like, I'm trying to think of a concrete example of you know, Nico Collins guy. I really, I really like taking Nico Collins in the late rounds. And I'm like, you need to get Nico Collins on all your teams or whatever. I'm not telling you to go like in the eighth round and pick Nico Collins. Cause you don't have to do that. Right. So I think yeah. being mindful of ADP and not reaching too much, and passing up legitimately good value guys who are going in that range for, you know, to get one of your guys, like get your guys, but just be, you know, sort of mindful not to go too crazy about it. Yeah. You should also have a big list of guys so that your whole yes. draft doesn't come crashing down. If you don't get Nico freaking Collins, right? Like I, I think he, I think he might be good. Um, but we got to have a big list of guys like Nico Collins. So I'm not just absolutely gutted if, uh, if he doesn't fall to me in, in round 10 or round 11 or some such thing. Uh, it is a, <laughs> it is, it is absolutely a really good point. Although I like, I, this might be the one thing that we talk about where I am guilty of, of breaking this role a little bit. Like I, I oh, do same. have a, you know, I always put together a, you know, I've got a handful of guys in my head that I want to, that I want to reach for, but you also have to know your, you know, I guess this would be the, the corollary here. You gotta, you gotta know your group. Like, I guess I'm, I'm not in any of these leagues anymore, but people have sent me screenshots of drafts where somebody just sent me a screenshot of a draft where like not a super flex Tom Brady went first overall. 
Um, you know, the guy at the turn took like Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and then came back with like two more chargers and like people do crazy stuff. <laughs> and crazy this is stuff, the thing yeah. that is so easy to forget because we're like in this bubble where we're just producing fantasy content all the time. And th throughout the off season, we're just bouncing ideas off of other people who do what we do. And we're just all in this sort of hardcore fantasy football bubble. 98% of people playing this game are in leagues where somebody might take Aaron Rodgers in the first round, right? They're just a oh, yeah. Packer fan, you know? Like, that's that's what goes on in almost all fantasy, like season-long redraft fantasy leagues. People draft the players they like from the teams they like. There's always a guy or two like that. You want them in your league because you want, you know, you want them paying their league fees. But you got to know your, I guess what I'm saying, this is a very long way of saying that you just got to, you got to know your group and you got to know the groups in which Damian Pierce is um, like somebody's going to take a shot on Damian. I was in a Superflex draft last night with uh, John Daigle, as a matter of fact, and I if Superflex, and somebody took Damian Pierce in like round five because he had just scored a touchdown oh, minutes boy, before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you better be right. Like, you better be right. But in that league, if you wanted Damian Pierce, that's, that's probably where he had to go. Um, you know, he was going to go in round five or round six. If you're in a league with with people who are perhaps not, you know, paying attention to the actual results that are coming in in preseason week three while they're drafting, like if you're in one of those leagues, you don't need to do that with Damian Pierce. You can feel comfortable that you're probably going to get him in in round eight. You're probably going to get him in round nine because that's that syncs up with uh, with the pre ranks on on whatever site you're drafting at. Yeah, they're not aware that like Antonio Gibson is Washington Washington's kick returner, not his, you know, not the starting running back, which he was, you know, just a I, month by the ago. Way, it was a tough scene for Antonio Gibson in this draft last oh, night. No. He hung out there a long time. It was like we were all just staring at Antonio Gibson and like Tyler Lockett and being like, I don't know, I'm not gonna be the guy. Oh, come on. Tyler Lockett, so that's so disrespectful to poor Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I can't wait till he outscores DK Metcalf this year. That's going to be incredible. Um, oh, all right, that's not a, a real that's that's not a real prediction. Um, edit <laughs> edit that one out. They're pre-recording. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> all right, let, give me your second one, and I I like this one a lot because I think we can really unpack this one a, a good bit. Yeah, there are. Um... You know, occasionally I'll get questions on on Twitter where people are like, uh, you know, who is the who is the backup that I want in Tennessee in case Derrick Henry goes down or who is the backup that I really want, in, you know, wherever I, I could apply this to almost every team. You know, like you don't know, like James Conner. I get that question. We get, um, you, you know, all, all sorts of these questions about who the immediate backup is to a bunch of running backs where like I don't I don't. I don't think the backup is going to do exactly what the starter does, right? Like you don't have to, you don't have to draft every understudy running back in the league. Um, that is not important. Like nobody's coming in and doing Christian McCaffrey things. If Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, that's not like a, there's no one for one replacement there. No one's coming in and doing Derrick Henry things. If Derrick Henry gets hurt, nobody's like, nobody's going to step in and handle 26 carries a game and give you 160 rushing yards reliably. That's not like a one man job. There are a handful of situations where we can reasonably say, okay, we've seen it from this backup running back in small samples. We, we know what they can do. Perhaps it's worth, um, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to draft Dalvin cook, Maybe I do want Alexander Madison. That is totally reasonable because I think Alexander Madison would actually handle um, almost the full workload and he could be like 90%, 92% of Dalvin Cook. Like, that's fine. 
Not every situation is like that. You know, whatever you've got planned for Saquon Barkley this year, there is currently no one on the Giants roster who's going to step Great in example. and catch catch like 90 passes and handle, you know, 25 to 30 touches a game. Most situations, you know, there's no backup who can just step in and do the thing. So you don't need to focus on it everywhere. You need to maybe come up with a list of like the five or six situations where it might be worth um, chasing a backup, but that is, that is not most teams. Yeah. Great example. And it does feel like the, some of the biggest backs in fantasy right now actually don't have um, a clear cut number two. Right. I mean, and even some situations you think it's this is the thing that really, um, you know, gets people in trouble is that like you think that, you know, who that second running back is. And it's and it's not that guy. Um, the Chargers. Great example. People thought it was going to be Isaiah Spiller. And he obviously eventually gets hurt. But like it's not even before that, it was clearly not going to be Spiller, at least not right away to start the season. Um, so sometimes like, yeah, they go straight to committees. It's not the number two guy that you think it is. Um, and I, I will actually expand on this point too. If you are going to draft a backup running back, you know, the running back understudy, like you said, make it somebody else's backup. Not your like, I right, right. don't, you don't have to really, you don't got to pair up your running back with his backup running back. Like if you take Dalvin cook and you don't have to take Alexander Madison, but if you don't take Dalvin Cook, you can absolutely take Alexander Madison. And you got to obviously have somebody's, you know, you're going to sit there and he's going to do nothing, 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 nothing. But man, it feels good when if Dalvin Cook gets hurt in week two, week three, you've got Alexander Madison on your roster. And that I think, I think like uh, pairing your running back with their backup is, is it's a floor play. But the ceiling play is to if you t and also, by the way, God forbid you do this in like the single digit rounds. Like I had somebody ask me the other day, should I take <laughs> Zeke and Tony Pollard? And it's like, no, don't you don't want that because they're probably not going to coexist together very often. They each have standalone value and, and each have great upside if one of the other gets hurt. But you don't want to you really just put yourself in a bad position from a ceiling perspective if you only have because all you've really gained if your starter gets hurt and you have the backup is you've just got a lesser version of the player you already had most likely. Yeah. Another thing I'll mention here is that oftentimes the guy that you and this this goes along with something that you were that you were suggesting. Oftentimes the guy that like the guy that may have the third down role, the guy that may have the, you know, the the, you know, they get into a four minute situation, um, they get into a hurry up situation, the guy who has that role is not necessarily the backup to the to right. the starting running back, right? Like they may just love that player in that role. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, who's a good example? Naheem Hines is not just going to step in and be yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Um, JD McKissick is just not going to step in and be, I don't know, whoever it is, Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson, right? Like that, that's James Cook may not be the guy who just steps into a, to a full workload, uh, in, in Buffalo necessarily. Cause they like the teams want these guys because of their pass catching ability for their, for their specific abilities in specific situations. This happens all the time in like b baseball too. Like a team may just want to leave a guy in their role in a bullpen. And they, you know, it's not the guy that you think is going to, is going to take over a closing role or something like that. Like sometimes teams just like to let people thrive in what they do best. I think one example um, that I was thinking about from the past, not like a current example, is like the Seahawks running backs were always like this. Like Marshawn Lynch yeah. was the, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch was the starter, but then they had like Robert Turbin kind of as that that third down ish back. 
And then uh, Kristen Michael was like the direct backup. Michael was never going to do anything unless uh, unless Marshawn Lynch got hurt. But Robert Turbin was necessarily not going to come in there and, and dominate the touches. Like, so that's a really, I don't know why that's, that example probably sticks with me, but just because of Kristen Michael. But um, anyways, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on from that. My second one here is not focusing enough on player archetypes. And I know this is a little more dorky and a little, I guess, more complicated than just don't draft a bunch of guys that are, you know, because of bye weeks or something like that. Uh, so I would say that the, the the thing behind this is, and I think it's especially pertinent at the wide receiver position is you don't want a bunch of like Deshaun Jackson types, you know, the boomer busts, but at the same time, you don't want a bunch of Jarvis Landry types. Like, you know, and that's the example I always go to just because those guys kind of stand out. These guys, you don't want a bunch of just high floor guys with low ceilings and you don't want just a bunch of high ceiling guys with low floors. Like you want to make your roster kind of complement each other. I think it's really easy to do it with the wide receiver position. I think for running backs, you probably don't want a bunch of like early down banger guys. You know, at the same time, you don't want to just be like, I'm taking all of the the James White types. The, you know, uh, this guy could maybe <laughs> catch like 50 passes. But he doesn't have much of a ceiling like the guys we just were talking about that won't inherit the the James Cook types. They're probably not going to inherit like feature back workload in case of injury chaos. So, again, kind of a little more complicated to explain. But I think just trying to make sure you don't have a bunch of volatile guys or a bunch of high floor guys, you want to make your roster kind of complement itself. Yeah, this is a this is a good point, and, and uh, it is an especially important detail to note that like you just absolutely don't want like an entire you know like you can have one guy who's like Will Fuller, right? And it's right it's super high variance. They're gonna have two, maybe three, absolute blow up games a season, um, and when they blow up, it's like 180 yards and two touchdowns, three touchdowns. You win your week. Like I'll take one guy like that. And I, and I really like to have it too. Like I, I love yes. having a guy like that. And I feel like I can build a roster that can survive the fact that that guy is also going to have a bunch of two catch, three catch, 30 yard weeks, but that is the profile, it, but you can't, you can't build an entire team of that. Um, cause you're going to have whole weeks where like all of your receivers are just like three catches for 35 yards and you can't, that's no way to live. Like you've got to have some guys who are just bankable volume each and every week you know Keenan Allen is too high end an example but just sort of those high volume slot guys they're gonna catch 75 passes they're gonna catch 80 balls something like that it's probably 900 yards it's probably five or six touchdowns but those guys have value in in certainly deeper leagues and then you want to have a receiver who's just an every weaker right like you you ideally you'll have somebody from that Justin Jefferson down through Tyree Kill, you know, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, that group where it's just week in, week out, you're getting numbers. They are getting 12 targets. They are getting 11 targets and you are getting eight or nine catches and a, and a decent yardage total. He's like that guy that you talk about, the Will Fuller types. He's your mic drop guy, right? Like, you, you know, you yeah. can, he can come in there and drop the mic and win you your win you your week. Like it's over once he goes for that 180 yard to, you know, multiple touchdown game. But you can't really bank on it every week. Like you said, I think a really good example this year, and I know everybody doesn't agree with this, Dalton, is like Gabe Davis. <laughs> I think Gabe Davis, I'm there. Yeah. Some of these players, the Will Fuller types, the the big ceiling guys, um, by the way, where the hell is Will Fuller? Maybe he's signed by the time this podcast comes out. Probably not, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think these guys, it's all—it's very like team sensitive whether you want to draft them, right? Like for me, I'm not trying to have like the Gabe Davis type, the Will Fuller type, those volatile players as my receiver too. Amari Cooper, another player that you know has 
kind of sneakily been this player throughout the course of his career. I'm not trying to have the the high ceiling, low floor guys as my like receiver too, but if I've drafted two rock solid guys, you know, a, 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 a T Higgins and Keenan Allen to just not even use like a really high end example. Like I feel really good about those guys throughout the course of the, throughout the course of the week, throughout the course of the season. And then Gabe Davis or the, the mic drop guys, my receiver three, I'm so much more willing to do that in that situation. Yep. yep fully agree. We got and, and the good news is now there's just an absolute ton of good receivers. So you can really think of, <laughs> you can, you got options here to play with this one, uh, making your roster compliment itself. All right, Andy, give me your third uh, mistake that people make. Yeah. Um, pe- people get hung up on strength of schedule all the time. And they particularly talk about like, you know, I, I've seen this a little bit lately with uh, Najee Harris, a discussion about Najee Harris's strength of schedule. Oh, it's really bad. You got to avoid this guy. Can't be a first round pick. Like, this is this is just sort of the illusion of foreknowledge, um, right? Like we we have no idea who the great defenses are going to be in December. Um, you you can have an inkling based on like what personnel looks like right now, but you know, going into uh, last season, for example, we would have sworn up and down that like, man, you got to you got to steer clear of that Ravens defense. And then right. by the end of the year, they're last in the league in passing. Everybody in the secondary is hurt. Teams are clowning them in December, right? Um, it, it was really bad. Like, we're we're just bad at predicting defensive strength generally. We're bad at doing it for fantasy purposes. We're, we're kind of sneaky bad at doing it for real-life purposes. But the idea in a, in a league that, you know, you said it before, a league that is absolutely ruled by chaos, that is ruled by injury and all sorts of things that are, that are difficult to predict, you just can't make November and December plans in uh, in August and September. It's just a total fool's errand. And to use season-long strength of schedule as any sort of even a tiebreaker is is to me sort of nonsensical. I'll I'll grant you that like, and I you know here's the here's the exception for me um, when I'm when I'm drafting like a defense. I'll look at the September schedule for that. Like the Colts happen to have a really, what seems like a friendly schedule. The Browns have what seems like a pretty friendly schedule early in the season. So that'll be a little bit of a tiebreaker for me. I'm trying to avoid, you know, really difficult matchups in week one, something like that. But beyond, I don't know, beyond defensive matchups, I'm just not, I'm not looking at this at all with regard to players that I'm drafting. Yeah, I I agree. It's not even a tiebreaker. Um, Honestly, Andy, your first three uh, mistakes here, like, trying to get the right backup running back, trying to focus on bye weeks, <laughs> looking at portraying the schedule. Like your first three lessons could all be grouped in. Like we don't actually know anything. And like your, your, <laughs> yes. your hubris to um, predict that far in the future can really set you, um, set you back. Just a few examples. Like, you mentioned the Ravens. That's a really good example. How about Washington? Like we came into the year <sighs> last year thinking yes. about, oh man, Washington is going to have a great pass defense. They have all these guys up front, you know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, a bunch of defensive tackles that they draft, like you know, Allen, like they're going to, they're going to get after it. And they were like, they were, a, a, a you could destroy them in the passing game. Like they were a joke. The Chargers became like the easiest team you could just run the hell over all season long but nobody was really i mean obviously like looking at defensive dvoa the bottom three teams or the bottom four teams detroit atlanta jacksonville the jets we could probably see we could probably see all those coming but there are other teams too like that are at the bottom the the next three teams at the bottom baltimore washington and the los angeles chargers like we didn't really see those ones coming 
I, I had drafted the hell out of Washington too. I was like, well, there's no oh, way yeah. that this thing anchored by Chase Young, um, uh, talent at different levels of the defense. They, they'd finished the prior season pretty strong. Like I, I was, I was pretty all in on Washington. They were, you know, uh, it, I, I don't know if they were my most commonly drafted defense, but they were up there and I, you know, dropped them almost immediately. On the other end of the extreme, Dallas was second in defensive DVOA last year. We know, and no one saw that coming. Defensive no performances, one. we say it all the time. It, it's offense is more stable than defense. Defense can be more volatile year to year. And then people still do this. Well, yeah, you don't want to draft that guy because of his December schedule. It's like, give me a break. You don't, you don't know anything from, from either yeah. side of the perspective, strong or weak. All right, Andy and I are going to continue to tell you all the things that you do wrong. I mean, God forbid somebody <laughs> listens to this after they did their draft. That's going to be pretty upsetting we're going to tell you uh, all the things that we all we all do wrong in our fantasy drafts right after we take this break welding instructor alex declare knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders vr training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career the beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, my third one here. I love this one. People getting their feelings hurt, okay? Like, <laughs> this guy burned me last year. I'm never drafting him again. Oh man, I can't get, I can't draft Brandon Ayuk because of what happened in the first. I might be taking this personally. I mean, I mean, you know, you dra <laughs> I draft him. What happened in the first run of the season? Never again. Never. Well, if you have like guys that you're crossing off, never again because you got your feelings hurt because they burned you in the past. You're gonna miss out on value because guess what? If you feel that way, other people feel that way, right? And that pushes players down the draft board. It gives chances for for value and opportunity. So I just generally think. Don't get injuries. Another great example. I mean, sometimes, obviously, um, you know, our, our friend Scott Pianowski is the ultimate not injury optimist. You don't want to be injury optimistic, but at the same time, injuries can also create value. So just be open minded and let go of your feelings. N nothing happened to you personally. L let it go. Do you remember how many people were out on Joe Mixon last year because Joe Mixon had, you know, uh, lit injury had had sort of scudded his season the year before people swore him off um and then and then all he did was go out and catch 40 some balls and finish with like 1500 total yards 16 touchdowns he was great he's been a great player every time he's been on the field throughout his career um but people swore him off um and and you're so right carrying grudges from one season to the next particularly when there's a when there's an injury that explains uh disappointing performance is is just an outrageous thing to do it's just a ridiculous thing to do and it there's this illusion that like we have personal relationships with these players because we and I, I you know I'll fall into it and sometimes I'll you know but if I if I do this I like it's really important that you not do it on somebody who could really make you look bad right like don't do it um don't don't swear off a guy who is going in the first like four or five rounds of a draft because they're going there for a reason they're they're right. an actual great player when they are when they are active um if you want to have these little petty grudges make sure that you have it with um a team defense a kicker <laughs> something that isn't going to like absolutely roast you do not a tight like, end do not Yes. Yeah. Even a tight end, but do not swear off um, like elite running backs. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody, I mean, Debo last year, people I'm sure were like, yes, this guy, yeah. you know, he was hurt last year. And then again, it can create opportunity, it can create value. I can think of a guy like Allen Robinson this year. There are so many people out there. I drafted this guy last year and he, he burned me. Yeah, well, he was on Great the fucking Bears last year, you know, and, and like with a terrible <laughs> with a terrible rookie quarterback. And now it's a new year and he's on the Rams, you know, like that's another thing, too. Every year is a new year. But and you'll and you, again, you'll know this stuff. If you're going to swear off a guy that burned you last year, you better have been paying attention all summer. And they're like, t- like Trey Sermon. OK, if you want to swear off Trey Sermon because he burned you last year, you probably might have been cut by the time this episode is out. So I'm really blowing this whole evergreen episode thing. But I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the guy is clearly not at the top of the depth charter is not like in. Gr- he might be in decent standing, not in great standing with the 49ers or something like that. So you want to swear off a guy like that. You better have been paying attention to all summer long. Like there's not like a brand and a uke type drum beat where we're all good we're all past that or like alan robinson he's 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 on the damn rams now not the bears hey people are going to swear off trey lance this year because they held him all season uh in 2021 never helped you you know never got past jimmy garoppolo there's a there's a pretty fair chance that trey lance is going to be a fantasy difference maker this year i mean hell he got two starts and he ran 24 times in those games like he's he's going to be a good player um you can't put him on your do not draft list simply because you had a bad experience with him pretty much just take just get your feelings out of it take your emotions out of it and just just try to try to think with a clear mind i know it can be difficult i get that i've I've said a lot of times with the cmc thing you take cmc second overall and and you you're gonna feel like just a complete idiot if by week three he's on injured reserve and like i mean i i do want to be sensitive to that type of stuff because i get it but the the i got my feelings hurt by this guy like let it go nothing happened to you personally um all right andy give me your fourth one i i i've had people reach out about salary cap draft advice um so this is i'm glad you put this on here yeah this is uh this goes right along with sort of my theme of we we don't know right like there's (laughs) like there's not a lot that we can know entering the nfl season and and we have this sort of illusion again of of foreknowledge of everything i i've never been impressed in my many years of participating in salary cap drafts for fantasy football this is different in other sports but in fantasy football in particular I've never been impressed with what the people who, you know, save their dollars um, to have late leverage. I've never been impressed with what they do with it. There is, in my mind, virtually no difference between the one dollar players and the four dollar players. I just like like this is the same pool of total flyers, total lottery tickets. I'm you know, I've literally been in salary cap drafts this year where people people held, um, you know, a few extra bucks for the for the final moments of the draft. And it bought them like Mike Davis. It bought them, you know, Kendrick Bourne. But like maybe, maybe they're going to be fine. Um, you're not going to win your league because you probably not because you had, had the extra buck for Kendrick Bourne. All the guys that are like really buzzy end up getting nominated sort of in the in the middle anyway. Like George Pickens wasn't a steal for anybody. Damian Pierce wasn't a steal for anybody. Like none of those guys are really steals. These folks that that save leverage for very late, that they just get nothing from it. The the one thing, you know, the flip side of this, when I get in myself in a salary cap draft, the one thing that I always try to do is I try to assemble a team that I couldn't possibly put together in a snake, right? Like I want two guys from the first round. I at the King's Classic a couple a couple weeks ago uh, in in Canton, I I spent a stupid amount of money on the combination of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Like you literally couldn't draft that. There's no way you could draft that. I I feel like there's a decent chance between those two, I'm getting somebody who's gonna lead the league in receptions and probably receiving yards. Um, I love that combination. You could 
you couldn't draft it. You could draft 10,000 times. You wouldn't get those two together on the same team. It just doesn't happen. You can consider that like a stars and scrubs approach, but really in football, it's just about the fact that we don't know anything when we get an hour into a salary cap draft, right? Like, and those, again, those guys that are like $6, $4, there's no, there's really no difference there. We don't know. This is, this is different in, again, I'll, I'll cite baseball as an example. Sometimes you're saving your money because in the end game, you might get a guy who's projected for 500 at bats or the dollar guys are projected for like 50 or a hundred at bats. And it means a lot in football. It, it means so little. It's a great call out. Um, I raised my hand over here. You couldn't, if listeners obviously couldn't see it, but I, I've been that guy many times that like saves my money till the end. And it's like, well, great. Now I'm able to spend $4 on this guy. That's not going to make a difference for me, you know, that type of stuff. And I think that we've, we've said this before, Andy, that if you're going to do the, I'm going to get Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase, there's probably going to be parts of your roster that stink and you have to be okay with that. Like you have to, don't tweet that screenshot of that roster out because you're going to get <laughs> flamed. But, uh, you know, you can you can make that work, basically, I think, is the is the long and short of it. I agree with you. I love trying to accumulate a, a roster that you can't you can't have in a snake. Otherwise, like, what's the point of this? You know, what is what is right. the point of right. the, um, what's the point of all this? But it's tough in a I know in a salary cap draft that we're in together every year with our, with our old colleague, Brad, uh, it, it, I end up getting, I don't know are we doing that this year? I don't even know who, who the hell. I hope we're but, doing uh, it. I think we're doing it. I hope so too, but, uh, we'll, we'll figure out maybe again, we'll know by the time we've already recorded this. So I, I think that like, I always get banged in that one because it's super flex. That throws me off. Like the super flex salary cap is like, oh, I always find myself uh, in a bad, in a bad spot there. So, but I, I agree that is good advice. Like don't don't be the one to save for leverage later. That uh that's a little stupid. Um my my next one here, and this is not a draft mistake, but I think it's one that uh, Andy I haven't told you this, but for our waiver wire episode, like we're gonna we're gonna talk about guys every week that like are, when have you hung on too long? Um that I definitely want to explore in season because I struggle with that, and nothing is worse than being the one who. We've talked about the Amon Ross St. Brown example. You drafted him. You dropped him. Your league mate wins the league because they picked him up in the middle of the year. But then there's also the the opposite of that, the, the Trey Sermon example. If you drafted Trey Sermon in the, God forbid, sixth and seventh round or something like that last year, and there were leagues where he went in the sixth and seventh round, and you held on to him forever and ever and ever, you that sucks like wh- how long is too long to to hang on because that can really screw you but it nothing again nothing feels worse than like your sleeper coming back to um elbow you out of the championship later on there's a guy i mentioned earlier trey lance um i was in a league last year where i hung on oh to lance man just yeah. forever um and when i finally dropped him you know, this was in this is in a, a keeper league too. I could have potentially kept him, but I was, you know, I was kind of in the hunt. And uh, when I when I eventually dropped Trey Lance, who was like my God, I'm I'm going to be embarrassed. To, I, I'll have to look it up later. But he was he was not an insignificant pick for me. I don't know if he was my seventh round pick or something like that. Like it was a it was a pretty there was like real draft capital there uh, expended on Trey Lance. He didn't help me at all. Never started the him fantasy industry as a whole. Absolutely got obliterated by rookie quarterbacks last year because yes. we were all yes. obsessed and we'll co- I'll cop to it. We were obsessed with Trey Lance. We were obsessed with Justin Fields. And I don't think anyone expected the leashes to be as long as they were for 
even Andy Dalton, but especially Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. But then even like when Justin Fields got out there, he, he wasn't he wasn't good. So we all we all got buried by those guys yeah. last year. When I when I eventually dropped Trey Lance in that league, it was for like Kendall Blanton. Um, it, oh. it was the, it was it was one of the saddest transactions that I've ever that I, I've ever uh, experienced in in a life in fantasy. It was it was just terrible. It was it was gutting. Yeah, it's terrible, and and I, I don't. It's a mistake we all make, and I feel like we've given advice as how to get past these other mistakes before. But man, I, I would say the one thing is just with, with these rookie receivers that we talk about. You can draft them and you drop them, but be ready to grab them back again. Like try to like, don't forget about them. I guess is is the is the the advice there. Like be paying attention to their snap counts, their their routes run and stuff like that, and be ready to grab them again before somebody else does. The the other thing I'll say about this point is that it's so um it, it's so situational based on your based on like your record and your standing in the league at any at any given moment because there are there are times where you know you start a season one and three, one and four, even if it's bad luck and you kind of like your team, like you got to win. Um, yeah. And any, anybody who's not playing and I don't like, I, I don't care what their potential is in the second half of the season, because like, there's no second half of the season for you. If you're one and five, if you're one and six, right? Like you got to win now. So there are situations where somebody, somebody like Amon Ross St. Brown could have reasonably been dropped by a team that just couldn't wait anymore on a guy who wasn't getting enough targets, right? Like that happens too. This happens with, with injury guys, um, like injured players who have ambiguous timelines, right? Maybe he's going to be back in four weeks, maybe six weeks. Well, that's an eternity if you're like a two and four team, right? Um, but it's not if you're sitting there at five and one and you can afford to wait, maybe you can take a loss, you know? So this is all, you know, it is very difficult to separate that player discussion from like, where are you positioned in your league? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, I'll just again to come back to accountability for myself, like the Ayuk example. I mean, I like I say all the time, hey, Ayuk was a, sec a, a top 20 receiver in the second half of the season. And I'm look, I'm, I'm not beating myself up about Ayuk. I, I couldn't we couldn't have seen the doghouse thing coming. And um, I mean, I'm I was I think I'm right about the player evaluation. Right. And I, I say the top 20 receiver thing as to say, hey, I was right that once the if the guy was going to be on the field, he was going to play yeah. well and he was going to put up numbers. But at the same time, I get a lot of people coming back at me and said, that's great. That did nothing for me because I held on to him through the whole doghouse thing. And by the time he was playing and was out there on the field and putting up fantasy numbers, I was already buried because I kept that roster spot when, you know, like Cordero Patterson or something last year. Could, I could have picked him up off the waiver wire. Nobody says this specifically, but that's the thing, right? Is you Those roster spots become extremely precious, and especially if you spent – fifth round pick on Brandon Ayuk like I did in a lot of spots it was tough it was tough so. I hopefully we can all just agree that it was the Niners beat reporters who failed us last year on both Ayuk and Trey Sermon and it was <laughs> it wasn't really anybody else it wasn't anybody's fault for drafting them uh yeah I'll 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 let that um help me sleep a little bit better at night especially <laughs> especially when he catches 10 touchdowns and goes for 1200 yards this year I'll really sleep a lot better at night but um it's that you know this is the thing is we're podcast is where this episode is going to get out there's that week of practice that's like close to the media where apparently just like all all hell broke loose in San Francisco. That's what that's the, the, the narrative coming out of this. Now, do we have to be afraid of this week of practice forever? This like closed media? It's like fantasy nightmare. All right, Andy, give me your last one here uh, and then we'll close out with mine. 
my last one is a pretty minor point, but it it is in my mind because I was I was in a, a live draft last night with John Daigle. It feels like I see John Daigle every day now because we're in all the same leagues together. Um, and I, I was drafting near the turn, but not quite at the turn, right? Like if you're this is this is this applies in particular if you're like pick nine, pick ten, pick eleven. Take a take a moment to look at what the teams around yes. you actually need before you make a pick, because you will often get in situations where, and, you know, as a draft unfolds, it, it's impossible to keep track of like what everybody's already taken, but it is there in the draft tool if you want to take a look at it. So last night I'm picking 11. It's a super flex. The team that's picking 12, um, it took two quarterbacks right off the bat um, in the first and second round. So that like, they took a tight end pretty early too. So like you can know reasonably which positions they are going to target and are not going to target in the round aheads, right? So like when I'm picking ahead of them, I didn't really have to worry about them selecting a quarterback when they were up next. Um, so I could let that go and wrap around. Um, this is just a really, sm a really minor thing, but you, you know, you've probably got a 90 second, 60 second clock in your, in, in your draft. Use a few of those seconds to just, account for what people need around you because it will help influence like what you know you need to take right now versus what you can take in a round or two yeah quarterback's the easy call out like if you're around if you're around that turn there um and you're coming like just check in see if those those folks have taken a quarterback by the way just side note here do you take a lot of time on the clock when you're when you're picking no not usually um it'll happen occasionally um, only when I'm when I'm really trying to sort out like what the people around me are actually going to need. But for the most part, I like to uh, I, I like to kind of go run and shoot. <laughs> I like to know who I'm picking, especially if I'm at the turn. I love firing off like two really quick picks and uh, and, and making the guy next to me uh, uh, have to go again when they were hoping for a breather. Oh yeah, that's a great one. That's so like mind mind bending. We're like, all right, hey, Andy's got two picks. I'm sure he's gonna say, "Oh my god, I'm already back on the clock." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. I mean, maybe you, you I, maybe we're the dorks, Andy. Like we have nothing else to pay attention to in life, or maybe we're we're sharp <laughs> folks that are just dialed. In. When we're in the draft room, we're dialed in uh, because I'm the same way. Like I'm I'm taking like five seconds because I've been think because I've been thinking ahead. Like that's a good, good piece of advice. It's like think ahead start to kind of accumulate whether you use like the draft queue or whatever um start to think like all right if this happens this happens if this happens i'm gonna take this guy but if this happens i'm gonna take this player like or just have a collection of guys this is where tears help right like all right my third round pick is coming up i want a receiver these are the guys that are left in my tier so that way if like don't just sit there and say i'm taking dj Moore. i'm taking dj Moore because then if dj Moore yeah. goes ahead of you it's like have a list of guys so that you can take i mean i you can take you can leave however much time on the on the clock that you want i don't i don't care it's your life but i like to make the pick right away and i've had a couple people actually in a draft room recently be like wow Harmon couldn't wait to make that pick because it did it so fast it's like no i'm just paying attention i'm just like this is this is what i'm doing so well, the people care who less. take every second, like there's no, you're like dominating time of possession in a fantasy draft. <laughs> like that's not a, that's not a key to victory. That's not helping anyone. Oh my God. Especially, especially in a salary cap draft. I mean, yeah. takes for like, it already takes forever. I've get a life. Okay. You want to be sitting here looking at this draft room for the next three <laughs> hours. Like, no, I'm trying to go to the bathroom. Okay. So just let that's the thing. I'm always in draft. Like let's move it along. You've got a minute 30. You're taking the whole damn thing. Give me a break.
other thing I'll just throw out there, if you're in a salary cap draft, you don't have to nominate everybody at a dollar, right? Like you can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. a $40 yeah. player. You could just go ahead and nominate them at $35. That's fine. Save us all some freaking time. Okay. Like there's, a, there's enough of this going on. I know that people who only draft like one team every year is like, no, this is a sacred occasion for us idiots <laughs> like me and you. It's like, nah, I gotta get, I gotta get to the next one here in 30 minutes anyway. So uh, yeah, that's uh that's my piece of advice. Like just, I think looking ahead of looking ahead and, and like having a plan of the guys that you're going to take at your next pick is a little, is a little bit better than just straight up, uh, you know, just straight up taking that whole minute 30, like, Whoa, you're so surprised your pick came up. Like it's an, it's in an order here. <laughs> my last one mistake people make, and this is just kind of a fun one, giving a damn about your draft grade. I know that Andy, um, I love does, this. I, love this. <laughs> I know that Andy does all of them personally. I actually think I, I actually think I, back when I worked at NFL network, I think I had Dan hands fooled for a, Maybe like at least a millisecond when I told him he said something about the NFL like platform draft grades. And I was like, dude, I write all of those because I like just recently started. <laughs> and I was like, I have that's my job. Like I have to do all those personally. I think I had him fooled for just maybe a millisecond. And he probably doesn't even remember that this happened. But I, I no one no one is actually writing those. It's a computer. And don't tweet it. Don't God forbid. Don't tweet it like me or Andy about it. You could tweet it, Trevor at Yahoo Fantasy. Go go for it. He loves <laughs> he loves those and he loves positional eligibility questions. Loves that type of stuff. You can direct That's all those favorite. to him. Yeah, yeah. He, Trevor yeah, loves absolutely. that. He's 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 in the lab about Debo Samuel. Don't you worry. He's he's heard all your <laughs> heard all your 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 concerns and he's taking them into account. But. Don't give, don't care about your draft grade. Okay, it's like we've said many times. Some of the ugliest teams that when you leave the draft, they end up winning the league. And stuff doesn't doesn't matter if you if you don't don't even care one bit about it. I've 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 got some A's before, but I don't know that I've ever won a league with a team that received an A grade, any kind of A grade, um, from from Yahoo. Like, not that it isn't fun, and not that the little you know the little write up can't be kind of entertaining. But um, there's absolutely no relationship between your draft grade and your ultimate performance in the league. No. That should go without saying. Also, I think like I, I, I've never even looked into it. Like I, I never even really looked into the way that draft grades are generated exactly. But I don't I think no there's any relationship. between. Like I don't think they make any adjustments for like the competitiveness or the depth of your league. Right. Like don't if you're so. if you're drafting in like, you know, I'm in a 20 team league. It doesn't draw any distinction between a 20 team league, I don't believe, and like an eight team league. So it's going to look at any 20 team roster and be like, oh, this is a piece of um, <laughs> right. And you're, you're going to get a D. Like, you can't possibly draft a team in a 20 team. You're starting Daryl Williams? What are you doing? Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, woo, I'm starting, you know, Benjamin. I've got Daryl Williams too. Like, I'm excited about that. And these guys are like, no, that's a D. Yeah, I mean, if you don't take like, if you're one of the the sharps that don't take a kicker or defense, that, you know, because you draft, there's another week before the season starts, oh, you kill you. gate your upside. Oh, they'll they, they hate you for that. I mean, listen, if you want to use it as bullet bulletin board material, you know, <laughs> Yahoo gives you an F. You want to print that bad boy out and you want to nail it to your wall and you want to look at it every day as you wake up because <laughs> fantasy is just your freaking life, baby. You go for it, but for the most part, doesn't matter don't care and please don't please don't get upset about it and please don't uh, don't tweet andy about it don't don't I, i'm just asking for peace for andy barons to not be <laughs> a, assaulted by the draft grades if you tweet at anyone tweet at dalton oh sure i mean he's not he's not gonna see it <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> he's not going to see it. So uh, just direct it all to Trevor. That's fine. That's what he's there for at Yahoo Fantasy. All right, Andy. Um, anything else? I feel like we've uh, we ran through a lot here. Um, for for mistakes people make. So uh, hopefully hopefully you listen to this before your draft and you uh, you don't make any of these mistakes. Pretty big draft weekend coming up too. So uh, yeah, it's well timed. Well timed, baby. Let's go. All right, that is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there and tweeting your draft your draft grades to him, make sure you're following <laughs> at Yahoo Fantasy. And of course, please, if you like this, leave us a five star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on now. If you don't like it, um, just close the app out and never think about it again. And don't leave a review. All right, I'll be back tomorrow with a very very special announcement hell of a week coming up here for the yahoo fantasy football forecast feed until then we're out